Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, June the 4th, 2022. It is currently 1040 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, it is a busy Saturday here in the Theology Central headquarters. Is that that a good way to describe it? It is a very busy day here in the Theology Central headquarters because I have, or I should say the Theology Central studios. Maybe I shouldn't use the word headquarters. It is a busy day here in the Theology Central studio. Does that sound very professional? Which, you know, you if you know, the reality is, it, I, I want to call it a studio. Maybe, maybe over time, we will transition this room into maybe an actual studio. M- maybe we can do that. I, 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 there's some things we could possibly purchase, I, I think, to, to, to make it work, possibly. But in reality, it's a homeschool room that, well, homeschool is over. Uh, so I, I, it, it's going to be basically back to a studio. So coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios, where it's going to be an extremely busy day. One, I want to do a lot of live broadcasting. However, I have a lot of preparation to do for tomorrow for, well, the Sunday School Hour at Victory Baptist Church, the Sunday morning sermon, and the Sunday evening sermon. And uh, so I have a lot of work to do, a lot of things to try to get to, so we're just going to try to make it the most productive we're going to try to make it the most productive day that we can possibly make it. Hopefully, hopefully before the day is over, you'll be like, wow, that, that was a great day of broadcasting. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm glad that I tuned in. I hope I can accomplish that. I wasn't so happy about yesterday's day of live broadcasting, but I really want to make today very productive. So hopefully you'll be tuning in throughout the day. Now, a good way to start your day when you have a lot of things to accomplish and you're going to be extremely busy, a good thing to do is to always take some time. First thing, the beginning of a day, if you can, I, I always try, I try to do it four times a day, right? I try to start my morning by doing this, then somewhere in kind of the afternoon, then early evening, and then late night. Four times a day, I try to stop everything, turn everything off, and spend some time and some and some form of a devotional study, right? I grab a devotional, read the scripture, and just do a little bit of work, not an in-depth study, but just to ensure that I'm getting a little bit of spiritual nourishment, right? So I try four times a day to just say, time out, stop, turn everything off, Everybody leave me alone. I'm going to spend the next 15, 20 minutes reading a scripture, meditating on a scripture, maybe using a devotional guide, doing something. That, that's, I, I've tried to maintain that. I don't always succeed, but I have the goal of at least four times a day doing something purely for the, purely to grow spiritually, purely for spiritual food. In other words, I'm not trying to do something for sermon prep. I'm not trying to do something for, you know, podcast prep, just time with God's word to grow spiritually. I tried to do that. I think it's a goal. And and I try to kind of model it after eating, right? Most people eat breakfast, you eat lunch, you eat, depending on where you're from, dinner, supper, whatever you want to call it, at least three meals a day. And you know, somewhere during the day, you're going to snack, right? Somewhere in the day, you're going to have a little snack of something. You know that, and I know that. So that means at least probably four times a day, you take time for physical nourishment. 
Well, if we take that much time to nourish our physical bodies, and we know if we don't get the proper nourishment to our physical bodies, it has very negative effects, right? We, we need proper physical nourishment. Well, I believe the same is true spiritually. We need proper spiritual nourishment. So the idea of devotional time has been a part of Christianity for really a large portion of its history, some kind of different devotional tools and things that people can use to spend a little bit of time with God's Word, a little bit of time of feeding upon the Word of God. And if you have ever looked at a any kind of Christian publishing catalog of wherever, you know, it can be Lifeway, it can be Christian book distributors, wherever you may, you may look, you're going to see usually an entire section filled with devotional books, one devotional book after another devotional book after another devotional book, and, and a lot of people love them. You may be very familiar with the very famous devotional, Our Daily Bread, right? Uh, it's It gives you a scripture, then, you know, a, a, a little bit of discussion about that scripture, and it gives you just something to, to take with you and meditate on. It's not supposed to be it's not, in a sense, supposed to be an entire Bible study. It's just giving you something to think about, to meditate on, that in many cases needs much more med- meditation and much more work to ensure that you're correctly understanding the scripture that is used. There are positives with devotional material because, again, it gives you something quick and short that you can grab onto. But the danger is, in many cases, the scriptures are handled in a very kind of a... <laughs> I, I, not a very accurate way in many cases. Sometimes verses are ripped out of context. So there are some problems, but if you take the devotional guide and actually do something with it, you in many cases, you, you can still get something good from it. So And there's all kinds of devotional guides out there. All kinds, right? You've got Morning and Evening by Spurgeon. You've got uh, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald, Oswald Chambers. I mean, you've got so many different ones. I mean, there are thousands of them. You could you could go from devotional, devotional. Every year you could have a new devotional, and by the end of your life, you didn't even probably cover 50% of them. There's so many different ones. And obviously, obviously, if I can say the word correctly, obviously, there is one that right now is of extreme, it's extremely popular, and it is extremely influential, and that is the devotional Jesus Calling, because it has sold now over 40 million copies. And you may hear of it. Oh, the Jesus Calling devotional. Okay, you may have used all kinds of devotionals. You're like, why don't I? I'll I'll grab one. I'll get one. Someone may recommend it at church. Hey, hey, do you need a new devotional? Here's Jesus Calling. Someone may give it to you as a gift, and you may see it. It's just a devotional. No big deal, right? Because you're used to seeing devotionals, right? You're used to seeing them. You're used to using them. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, probably someone pointed to you to a devotional guide that you could use on a daily basis. I, I'm assuming that that is true. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that is true. At least that was my experience. I've used devotional devotionals for pretty much my entire Christian life because I sometimes I need something. I don't have time to do an in-depth Bible study, but at least the devotional guide can give me a little bit of spiritual nourishment to get my day started or to sustain me in the middle of the day or whatever the case may be. So you probably have used them. Well, Jesus Calling just appears on one on one level just to be another one. Oh, here's another devotional. And so people will buy and go, it's just an, another devotional. The only problem is 
as we have seen in this kind of mini-series, the Jesus Calling devotional is by no means like all the others. It is massively problematic. I'm going to go so far to say downright heretical, dangerous, and should be avoided. I tried to have a more diplomatic approach at the beginning. I'm like, you know what? There may be some things we don't like about this. There may be some good. There may be some bad. There's some problems. And and typically I'm like, you know, you you can probably find some good in this. At at this point, I'm ready to just say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm almost ready to go. Well, I know this is uh, not the the common way today, but back in the day when lots of Christians went to a Christian bookstore, I'm almost to the point that uh, if I was in a Christian bookstore and someone picked up the Jesus Calling book, uh, the book, the the Jesus Calling devotional, if I'm in that Christian bookstore and I look over and they grab one from the shelf, I would probably run over, slap their hand and say, put that down. Step away from the heresy. Step away from that day. It's dangerous. Just get away from it. Don't even look at it. You're going to turn into a pillar of salt. Turn your back and run and flee. And I know you say, man, that's overdramatic and that's hyperbolic. No, I really think that this devotional is that dangerous. It's that problematic. I think, I think there should be warnings issued by every church. Hey guys, if you've got the Jesus Calling devotional, please, please listen to what I'm about to say because we you need to understand the dangers in it. I look. I when I first started this kind of series on this, I, I I didn't think it was that big a deal, right? I mean, it all remember it all started because I saw a news article. Hey, the Jesus Calling devotional has sold 40 million copies. I'm like, wait a minute, wait, wait, what? That's insane. I haven't even heard about this. I, and if I had, I didn't even, it never even registered in my mind. I'm like, what is going on? And then we started exploring it. And then we realized that Jesus Calling devotional is, it's, it's deadly. It's, it's destructive. It's poisonous. It's, it's blasphemous. It's, I mean, it's, it's every, I don't even know if I can come up with enough words to describe it in an accurate way. And and I and my feelings for it is growing. Uh, my my negative feelings for it are growing by the second. So let me just remind you of a couple of things wrong with the Jesus Calling devotional. Okay, number one, the Jesus Calling devotional, even from its introduction, even the the most current introduction, because it, there's there there's the original and then the newer. Even there, you see a verse from Isaiah completely ripped out of context. It's referring to coming out of Babylonian captivity, and it's used to, well, the author uses it to refer to herself, completely ripping it out of context, all right? Then the very first month of devotions is January, and they rip uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 completely out of its context, once again, ignoring the fact that that's about people in Babylonian captivity, So clearly we already see a mishandling of scripture from the very beginning. But there are lots of devotional books that are very questionable in how they handle scripture. So, okay, that that would not rise to the level of warning that I'm trying to give. The issue with the Jesus Calling devotional is this. The book was written with this process in mind. The, the, The author, I think, what's her name? Sarah Young, I think that's her name. Um, and hang on, let me verify because I don't want to give you the wrong name uh, I, because I, I hate to be inaccurate on anything. Uh, here we go. It's right here. Uh, Sarah Young. Yes, yeah, Sarah Young. I've got, I've got her, her. 
I've got all the information right there. I apologize. I'm knocking everything over. So Sarah Young is the author. She decided, and she was she was influenced by another book called God Calling, which is all kinds of problems with that. We 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 may do a little bit of just an overview of that book at some point. But she was influenced by that, and basically she came up with this way being influenced by this other book. Basically, this was the process. And her prayer, she it used to be a monologue where she talked to God, and she decided to trans to kind of transition and and transfer and, and and kind of a a whole transitioning of her prayer life from a monologue to a dialogue where she talked to God and then she listened to God talk to her and then she would record what God was telling her, right? Now, already you know, oh boy, we're way off into the charismatic world. We're uh, we're off into the world of extra biblical revelation. Now, she tries to claim, no, 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 it's not, it's not the same as inspired scripture, but if God is telling you words and you write those words down, I don't know how you can say that's not as authoritative as scripture. It would be equally as authoritative. God gave you the very words. In fact, that that would be beyond just the concept of inspiration. That would go with the theory of inspiration called dictation, that God is literally dictating to you the words and you're writing them down in your journal and then you publish them in a book. Well, that would make it scripture. I, I don't know how you can say, no, 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 no. It's not scripture. What is it? Are those words from Jesus authoritative? Are those words from Jesus accurate? Are those words from Jesus true? Well, then how would that not be on the same level of scripture? But she started practicing this dialogue form of prayer. And then she listened to what Jesus said and she wrote it down. And that turned into this devotional known as Jesus Calling. And then in the devotional, she writes it as if Jesus is speaking. It's, it's written as if Jesus is speaking, claiming to then be the words of Jesus. There are so many problems with this. So we, we, we've outlined that and outlined and outlined it and outlined it and outlined it. I think, we've, I think we've kind of already proven the point now. But what we're still trying to do is be fair. So we looked at the devotional for January the 1st. We looked at the devotional for January the 2nd. And today... For, I can't even say this is for my devotional time, right? But this is the time of day that, I, well, I'm a little late. Uh, usually I would do my morning devotional a little earlier. But for my devotional time, yeah, I can't even, I can't even say that with a straight face. We're going to pretend that this is my devotional time. No, this is not. If this is my devotional time, I'm about to receive poison. I, and I'm not. And I'm not saying that just to be sensational. But we've got, I've got my Kindle version of Jesus Calling open to February. February. Now we're going to look at the devotional for February the 1st. Yeah. Are you excited? I can feel that excitement. Everybody's like, yeah, come on. Let me know. Let me know what it says. I can't wait. No, I basically, this would be like, no, 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 no. Don't look, don't, 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 don't stay away. It's poison. It's poison. But, but I'm going to eat the poison as you watch. And when I fall on the ground dead, okay, but here we go. I, yeah, I know I'm using a lot of exaggerated speech, but I, I, I don't even think the exaggerated speech actually captures the truthfulness of this very bad situation. A devotional that has sold over 40 million copies that has obviously spread Throughout Christianity, it has crept in unawares, using the word the words from Jude, because we've been studying that on Sunday morning. This has crept in unawares, and it's complete poison. 
I, I, I say over and over and over, the threats for Christianity always come from within Christianity, not from without. While so many people want to run to the window and go, look, 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 it's the liberals, it's the progressives, it's critical race theory, it's LGBTQ, it's going to destroy Christianity. No, the monster is inside the house. All right, here we go. February. When you go to the page to start the month of devotionals, at the very top, once again, is that hand supposedly of Jesus holding out his hand. He's calling you. Jesus is calling you, which to me just makes this even more, I hate to say it, demonic and satanic because these are not the words of Jesus. These are the words of her own imagination that she's accrediting to Jesus, which is seriously problematic. But here's his hand. Then underneath the February, it says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Psalm 105, 4. Now, I, and, and I, I guess for January, I guess in a sense, the, it, I guess was the theme for verse Jeremiah 29, 11. I, I, I guess because she starts the month with a verse. I don't. I, I didn't go enough through the January devotionals to see. Does it keep coming back to that Jeremiah passage? I don't know. It, it, this is written in such a. There's no real engaging the text in any of this. You'll see. What, if you've already been listening, you know what we're, we're talking about. But here we go. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Psalm one hundred five four. Then I turn the page and it says February the one. Uh, right next to February, once again, is that hand of Jesus. There's the hand of Jesus, supposedly, saying, come on, calling you, calling you, calling you. And we're going to listen. Jesus is calling us to listen to what he has to say. Not in the Bible. No, 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 no. No, he gave specific, special revelation to Sarah Young. Even though she wants to claim this is not inspired scripture, if Jesus is giving you words and you're writing them down and you want to claim that's not scripture, I don't know how you can, that's, that's trying to make a distinction and and where there is no distinction. You're just trying to make a distinction just to, I don't know, make yourself feel better. I don't know. You're, you're basically claiming to be writing scripture. And I, I don't care what how many ways people want to get out of that. But here's what Jesus supposedly said to Sarah Young. And I quote, please note, it's written first person as if Jesus is speaking. Here we go. And, I, and, I, and this should all be in quotations. It should be in quotations, but here we go. Follow me one step at a time. That is all I require of you. Now, supposedly these are the words of Jesus. Follow me one step at a time. That is all I require of you. The only thing Jesus requires of you is that you follow him one step at a time. Really? That's the only thing he requires? The only thing? Re really? Okay. Right. In fact, that is the only way to move through this space-time world. You see huge mountains looming, and you start wondering how you're going to scale those heights. Meanwhile, because you're not looking where you're going, you stumble on the easy path where I'm leading you now. As I help you get back on your feet, you tell me how worried you are about the cliffs up ahead. But you don't know 
what will happen today, much less tomorrow. Our path may take an abrupt turn, leading you away from those mountains. There may be an easier way up those mountains than is visible from this distance. If I do lead you up the cliffs, I will equip you thoroughly for that strenuous climb. I I will even give my angels charge over you to preserve you and all your ways. Keep your mind on the present journey, enjoying my presence. Walk by faith, not by sight, trusting me to open up the way before you. Now, that's that's everything Jesus is supposedly saying or said said to Sarah Young, and I guess in, a, in an indirect way said to us because it's put placed in a devotional for us. So this is what Jesus is supposedly saying to us. I, I don't even know how to process that. Like, what am I supposed, am I supposed to, am I supposed to <laughs> exegete that? Am I supposed to outline that? Am I supposed to break that down? Because these are supposedly the words of Jesus. Do, do I need to grab a notebook and start, what do I do with that? And it would be curious, the women who use the book, what they do with it. Do they highlight some of that? Do they write some of that down in their prayer journal? I'm, t- I'm going to start walking around coffee houses everywhere I can find. And if I see a group of women, I'm like, oh, Jesus calling. I'm going to sit down and go, hey, can I be a part of the group? All right, what do you do with that? And, I, if, if, and I, it would be just curious to see, look, find a group of women who are using this book. I really want to see the process because are they reading this going, Oh, that really spoke to my heart. How Jesus understood that 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 you know I, I I was getting distracted by the mountains coming to me in my life, but He was right there and He told me, "Hey, hey, you know." Uh, in fact, I'll just read it. I mean, did they write down something that you know that? Oh, I, you know, this morning, you know, I just I heard from Jesus that oh, the only thing He requires of me is one step at a time. Right? And that and that I, I do see these huge mountains looming, and I start wondering how I'm going to scale those heights. But Jesus said, hey, I'm leading you now. Like, do they, do they take these words and treat them like they're literally from Jesus? I, I really want to know how people handle this, because I read this entire section, and I'm just like, whatever. What? Like, I just ignore it, because it's supposedly from Jesus, but it's not. Now, some of it may be loosely based off scripture, but even that, when I say loosely, is questionable at best, because you don't, in many cases, there's no scripture even provided here. Now, at the end, they're going to provide scriptures, but there's no context. There's no, what? I mean, we've already seen how loosely the author handles scripture with the way they handled Jeremiah 29, 11, the passage in Isaiah. And, and that's the Isaiah passage is in the introduction of the book. But I, I mean, I just want you to just, I want you to just hear this again. This is, these are supposedly the words of Jesus in the Jesus calling devotional for February the 1st. All right. Follow me one step at a time. That's Jesus speaking to you. That is all I require of you. The only thing Jesus requires of you is to follow him one step at a time. That, that's it. I guess I say, I don't, I, I must have missed all of those other things Jesus said. I must have missed all of those other things. I don't know. I, what do I know anymore? I don't know anything anymore. Then they go on to say, or supposedly Jesus goes on to say, in fact, that is the only way to move through this space-time world. The only way to move through this space-time world is to follow Jesus one step at a time. 
You see huge mountains looming and you start wondering how you're going to scale those heights. That's Jesus telling you, hey, you see all of those mountains and I know you're worried and I know you don't know how you're going to do it. You see how supposedly like comforting this is supposed to be? Yeah, I guess if you're living a lot in the land of delusion because you're, you're, you're imagining this is what Jesus is saying to you. Meanwhile, because you're not looking where you're going, you stumble on the easy path where I'm leading you now. As I help you get back on your feet, you tell me how worried you are about the cliffs up ahead, but you don't know what will happen tomorrow, much less happen today, much less tomorrow. Our paths, our path may take an abrupt turn, leading you away from those mountains. There may be an easier way up the mountains than is visible from this distance. If I do lead you up the cliffs, I will equip you thoroughly for that strenuous climb. I will even give my angels charge over you to preserve you in all your ways. Now, that's just stated as Jesus just said that to you. I'm going to give my angels charge over you, and he's going to preserve you in all your ways. Well, what if what if the what if a woman, let's say a teacher, just read that devotional, I don't know, a couple of days ago, and then went to the school she teaches at, I don't know, Uvalde, Texas, and she dies because an 18-year-old with guns came in and shot people and she was killed. Hey, 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 she left her house thinking, Jesus is giving angels charge over me and he's going to preserve me in all my ways. Is that how that verse is to be understood? I mean, is that, I mean, what, what is the author doing? I mean, these are supposedly the words of Jesus being spoken to you. Now, I'm not saying that obviously that a teacher at Uvalde actually read this. I'm just saying, what if that occurred? How, how do you, how do you process that? I mean, hey, this is a book from Jesus. He's going to preserve me in all my ways. Then, then Jesus supposedly says, keep your mind on this present journey, enjoying my presence, walk by faith, not by sight trusting me to open up the way before you. I would love to hear people who use this devotional talk about what they read. I, I would love to hear how they, they start claiming. It would, I, I can almost, I could be wrong here. I, 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 would just, I would just like to hear how people process this who read it. I've never met anyone who's read it. I've never met anyone, right? Uh, I've, I've never met, I, I would just like to see a group of people going, oh, Jesus told me today that he's going to open up the way before me. And I'd be like, no, Jesus didn't tell you anything. Sarah Young told you that. But then they have these scriptures. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Psalm 1829. Of course, no context is provided. No historical context. No textual context. Just there you go. So, of course, someone will grab that and go, okay, with God's help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall and just, I guess, walk away claiming said promise. I don't know. Then Psalm 91, 11 through 12. For he will give his angels special charge over you to accompany and defend you and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up on their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Psalm 91, 11 through 12. Now, no context is provided, nothing. Um, if we go to Psalm 91, if 
we go to Psalm 91. Um, yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot of things you have to try to consider here, right? Okay, ju- just, and, I'm, and I'm just grabbing the Bible that I have next to me. If you go to Psalm 91.9, because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. Okay, we can't just make that a unilateral just promise that no harm is going to come to me. I've experienced much harm in my life, and so have other Christians, okay? Uh, So exactly how do we understand that? Uh, No plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the young lion and the serpent. Okay, is that just a general promise to everyone? How do we understand that? I'm going to go to, I'm going to do something really quick. All right, because again, the devotional is not even going to bother to even try to do any of these things, which just absolutely just drives me crazy. All right, I'm going to... uh, I'm going to look here and see how some commentaries. Uh, let's see here. Now, they say that the person here, the one commentary says that uh, he's going to give your angels. So that, that they make this a conditional promise and that you have to make the Lord your refuge and he has to be your dwelling place. So you have to... You have to meet those requirements. They they make this almost a conditional promise. Uh, Satan made uh, use of this promise when he tempted the Lord. All right. Um, See here, going to just some different commentaries. All right. I'm looking here. Okay. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. Literally, he will give command to his angels. That is, he would instruct them or appoint them for this purpose. The passage, Psalm 91, 11 through 12, was applied to the Savior by the tempter in Matthew 4, 6. This, however, does not prove that it had an original reference to the Messiah. For even if we should suppose that Satan was correct and a reliable expounder of the scriptures, all the passage would prove as used by him would be that the righteous or those who were the friends of God might rely confidently on the protection and that Jesus, if he was of God, might do this as others might. All right. So uh, they don't, it's not directly promised to to uh, Jesus. All right. So I'm going to do something. Yeah, they don't, uh, I'm just looking here and how to understand this. So, yeah, we'd have to look at a lot of commentaries. Obviously, this devotional doesn't even care to try to explain this. I was going to see, do we make this all messianic? Well, I don't know if that works. I I was trying to think of a lot of different ways to try to approach this, but you can see where there would be some problems. Let's just read starting in Psalm 91.1. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will rescue from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. He will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. There's some very specific promises here, and I think we would have to really try to understand this. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type something else out here. One second here. I'm going to look at this. Uh, okay, here we go. Okay, here's an article just to show you. How should we interpret promises in the Psalms that no harm will strike us? Uh, some of those uh, promises uh, are, are basically promises that the Lord made to David who are not necessarily indicative of universal promises that apply to all Christians. So some of the promises in the Psalms about no harm is going to come upon you is not for everyone. Those are promises that were made specifically to David. All right. I I think we can agree with that. Uh, Okay. They don't offer, they don't go into any specific focuses on Psalm 91. All right. Uh, I'm looking here what else we have here. This is something we may need to work on. We, we definitely may need to work on this. So now this is one good thing I'm going, I'm, I'm, I, you know, even when the devotional is bad, I'm always going to try to find something uh, to help me here. Um, let's see, I'm going to, I'm looking at something where they try to ex- explain it. I'm going to see if they if they if they explain. They're kind of working. I'm looking at an article here. Okay, here. What did they say? All right. Um they this is what one article says and I apologize for the for the delay there, but I was just trying to skim this as fast as I can. It's always hard to do when you're live on the air, but okay. It says, um, there are two extremes which Christians should avoid in the application of this psalm to their lives. The first danger is not to take God's protection seriously. Uh, seriously enough, Psalm 90 has shown us shown us a healthy life give, uh, giving fear, the fear of God. On the other hand, Psalm 91 exposes a paralyzing fear the fear of falling and, and fear of failing and falling under opposition this fear keeps us from serving god and obeying his word abraham's fear caused him to be to lie concerning the true identity of sarah his wife moses was afraid to go to egypt and lead israel out of captivity the israelites feared the giants in canaan and did not possess what god had promised while there are those who faint due to fear most of us most of us live so conservatively that we don't think uh, we don't think we have much to fear. 
We have, insur- we have insurance for our life, our health, our retirement, our wage earning ability, and so on. We fail to live dangerously, and thus we have little danger to fear. Um, all right, they don't really help us here. They don't really, uh, yeah, they, so once again, we have, we have an article, we have, a, we have someone dealing with Psalm 91 and doesn't even attempt to try to explain this. We have a psalm here that makes some very serious promises, and how do, how do we process those promises is something that we'll, we'll work on on a different broadcast. But I just find it interesting that, again, this is just thrown out there in a devotional. People will grab this and, and claim it, not even realizing, wait a minute, are you sure that that's, first of all, are you sure that these promises are even for us? I, I need to see if we can d- develop or d- determine the historical setting for Psalm 91. What specifically is it referring to? Like, I need to know, because those are some serious promises. Again, if you continue reading in verse 9, because you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. I mean, that's that's a, a major, no plague will come near your tent. Now, we saw the craziness Uh, that Psalm 91 led to during the COVID pandemic where people were quoting Psalm 91 saying no plague can come to my tent. And then they ended up with COVID and some of them died. So clearly that was a, that was a horrible, horrible application of it. But see, you got these devotional guides like this that just throws out Psalm 91 without any, I mean, they, it's even quoted where Jesus is supposedly speaking to us. I, 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 I will even give my angels charge over you to preserve you in all your ways. This, this is just making like a universal promise out of this Psalm 91. And we know that this has to be interpreted in a way that doesn't, that there's got to be a way of understanding this, or you have to you put it this way. You have to either restrict this to a specific people, specific time. Because clearly it's not applicable to everyone at all times because harm does come to us. Sickness does come. The plague does come. People do die. So how do we under, you know, how how do we understand this and how do we apply this? So it's just thrown out here. And then it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And uh, let me look here. I'm just curious. I'm just going to look here. I could be wrong. Let me verify. Okay, no, that okay, that's the whole verse. I wanted to make sure they quoted the whole verse. That is the whole verse. Of course, it's ripped completely out of context, but okay. So, and that's it. That's the entire devotional for February the 1st. That's the entire devotional for February the 1st. So what we need to do, and I don't know when, we need to do a serious Bible study exercise on Psalm 91. Because, I mean, I, I, we probably should have already done this because so many people were referencing this during the COVID pandemic. And I just kind of like, whatever, people, whatever. I kind of just was dismissive because, I mean, come on. Um, people were quoting it and then still getting COVID and still dying. And I'm like, well, that I, I don't think that really worked out so much for you. So maybe maybe it's a misapplication. So what we'll need to do, I'm going to write this down in our in the official Theology Central notebook. I'm going to grab my glasses here. All right, let's write this down, all right? Let's write this down. We need to do Bible study 
exercise on Psalm 91. All right, we will do that. That's going to become, uh, that'll be a mini series that we will start working on soon, okay? We will work on it soon. Uh, all the commentaries that I'm looking at, and I apologize for the, where I, there was just silence and I was sitting here skimming. Uh, I was just trying to just do a, just a generic search and see what we could find. And most of these don't do a really, I mean, they tell us that there's a danger that we could go to one balance. I guess one balance is that we just completely disregard these promises. Um, I, 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 I guess the other danger would be you take the promises so serious that then you just put yourself in grave danger because you don't think you can be hurt. Um, but they didn't really see, they didn't really explain what's, that's the great danger in applying it. What what is the great what how what, I, they didn't really anticipate or really explain how we should correctly interpret Psalm ninety one. The first thing we need to establish is is there a historical context to Psalm ninety one? That's the first thing. Now, who are these promises specifically given to? Are they specifically given to Israel and a specific historical setting? And God did protect them, and God did keep them, and so therefore it's been fulfilled? Or do we just rip that out of any historical context, apply it to anyone and everyone who's a believer, and then when something bad happens, go, well, I mean, I guess you could try to play this little game. Well, it means God will protect you as long as it's his will to protect you. But I mean, that's such a nonsensical thing, right? Hey, these verses says God's always going to protect you, but it just means he's going to protect you until he doesn't want to protect you anymore, right? I mean, like that, <laughs> that that's not really, I don't know how we work that. So the I don't know what to say about the Jesus calling devotional. Once again, it has these words supposedly from Jesus, and then it just grabs random scripture, throws them out there with no explanation, no exegesis, no, no context, no anything. And, uh, well, we can see the possible danger that arises from that. So we will, we'll do some work on Psalm ninety-one. That's what happens when uh, that. See that now. I, I guess I want you to. See, I want you to see this. I still think the Jesus Calling devotional is an absolute train wreck. It's it's heretical. It's taking God's name in vain. It's 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 just it's so many problems with it. But what I do want you to see is no matter how bad a sermon is, no matter how bad a Christian book is. And I'm not saying this is what should be done with Jesus Calling because I think you should just avoid it because it's majorly problematic. But anything that has God's word in it, right? Anytime God's word is mentioned, you can always take that and do something with it. Like like this devotional, I, 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 I didn't get anything from the devotional, but they have Psalm 91, 11 through 12 here. And immediately I can go, okay, forget the devotional. I can take God's word and we can spend some serious time with it. So here's what we'll do. We're going we're gonna to use this to transition into a, a new Bible study exercise that we're going to add to the one that we're already doing on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But I'll just go ahead and throw this out at you at this moment in time. The, we clearly see that, once again, the Jesus Calling devotional is a major problem. We've already established that. But I want to use this as an opportunity to, to challenge us. So this is what I want you to do. If you're a part of the Discord channel, you can post it there, or you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I really want you to do this. How do you interpret Psalm 91 and all of the promises there of basically of no harm and nothing's going to hurt you? How, do, how have you interpreted Psalm 91 in the past? Have you ever questioned it? 
How were you in ta- how were you taught to interpret Psalm 91? These are these are important questions. And I want to I just want to get how your your past interaction with Psalm 91. You read it at some point in your Christian life, did you stop and go, what do I do with this? What were you do you remember sermons on Psalm 91? I want to know how you have handled it in the past, and we will have to work with it in the present. Hopefully give us a better understanding of it in the future. That's what we're going to try to accomplish. All right, there we go. I was hoping I would get some good uh, commentaries, but the commentaries are very questionable on, on how to handle this. Very questionable. And uh, I'm, um, okay, now this is interesting, okay, so I, I can't leave this alone now. Some felt that, th- that Moses was the, the one who wrote this psalm. Um, Okay, well, I, I would, I would be if we could prove mosaic authorship, then it could clearly be a reference to Israel. If it's mosaic authorship, maybe the authorship of Psalm ninety-one may be the most important question that we've stumbled upon today, right? So, see, and this is how devotional time should work. Just so that you know, I, I'm trying to get them. I'm trying to make sure you get something from this. Um, in a devotional time, you have a short amount of time, but whatever you get there, that that's supposed to lead to thinking and meditation. Now here, the Jesus calling devotional is of no value other than, well, it, when, whenever it quotes God's word, okay, because God's word is what's always va- valuable. It's always profitable. So I guess the real thing is we need to figure out the authorship of Psalm 91, because if it's mosaic, well, then we could greatly apply these words to Israel greatly apply these words to Israel. If it's not Mosaic and it's Davidic, it's from David, then we would ha- we'll have a different set of problems. Is it referring to David? Is this promises specifically to David? But does it use kind of the plural? Referring to Israel would make more sense because you could refer to them obviously in the plural. So yeah, they're, they're, so we're, we're going to definitely work on this. We're going to definitely work. So even in a devotional that is completely a train wreck, if God's word is ever quoted, (laughs) if God's word is ever quoted, the actual words of God, not the made up words of God, but the actual words of God, you can always do something with that. I don't care how bad a sermon is. If God's word is quoted, if you'll take the responsibility upon yourself to take what scripture was given and go work and think and meditate on it, you can grow. All you need is God's word given to you, and it doesn't matter how it shows up. You can always take that and do something with it. So I guess that's kind of the weird. (laughs) This is not the direction I thought this was going to go. I was just going to be here like, hey, 20 minutes, this devotional is a train wreck, but they quote God's word, and uh, Psalm 91, yeah, it's been used throughout the COVID pandemic. So um, we've got to do some work on it. We got to do some work on it. So 
first of all, just let me know your thoughts on Psalm 91. Forget the Jesus calling. You know what? The Jesus calling is not even worth your time or concern right now. Focus on Psalm 91. That, I think, is far more worthy of your time and consideration because guess what? It's actually God's word. It's not made up. All right. Thanks for listening. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right. I love, I love uh, when the podcast just kind of immediately takes its own direction. I, I love that. I love that. But that's, that's why I love doing live broadcast, right? If I was doing, if it wasn't live, see, there was, I would have chopped it all up and said, okay, okay, I'm just going to forget. I would probably edit this in a way that makes it look more like it flows nicer. There wasn't that time of silence, me scanning the the commentaries. But in real, I like it being more real. So now we we are going to transition into something else. So we're I, I don't know when we're going to get to it, but we're going to get to Psalm ninety one. We're going to make it. A, we're going to make it a major priority. Trust me. All right. Thanks for listening. And uh, well, just wait for live broadcast throughout the day. So have the Church One app on your device, Church O-N-E, Church O-N-E. Once you download the app, do the search for Theology Central. You can then you can and then check the notifications inside the app. And then you can be notified every time we go live. And uh, there's going to be a lot that we're going to work on today. So hopefully you're going to be uh, you're going to benefit greatly from it. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.